Namaste. So as we know, it is the festival of uh, goddess. And the next few months we have one goddess after another whom the Indian tradition worships. It's the period of the Divine Mother, Matrapaksh. Starts with Durga and Lakshmi and Kali and eventually uh, Saraswati with the coming of spring. So Divine Mother is the mother of the gods and she gives the power, delegate power to each of these gods to function. So she is not just the mother of the gods, she is Aditya, Aditi who gives birth to the gods and they are called Adityas because they receive their effulgence from her. But also, that means they receive all the knowledge that they have, comes from her. So Aditi and Adityas. Aditi is the undivided, infinite consciousness. That's why each of these gods, if we see the Indian tradition, the Ishta Devata, can lead us to the infinite. Because they come from that. They carry in themselves the sense of the absolute. Um, and yet at the same time, each of them has a certain place and has a certain function. Which they can't... Um, Crossover, because doing that will disturb the cosmic harmony. And she is also the power of these gods, the Devatma Shakti, which is uh, we see described in a uh, very beautiful way of stories, wherein the gods and their consorts, the feminine energies, which we see in the Vedas. So at once she forms the being of the gods, gives them the light, as well as as the Shakti of the gods. She dwells with them and they have a cosmic function. They have been working to pull this creation out of the inertia, torpor, tamas, inconscience. And in that process, pitted against them are the titans who are the beings and forces of darkness, the dark energies, the children of division. That's how they are called. You know, they are diti. So their work is to keep dividing things and whereas Aditi, she keeps on building a higher harmony, a greater unity. This is the work which goes on. And uh, constantly there is a tussle. Whenever the gods are on the ascendance, then the earth is full of beautiful hopes, aspiration, faith, all the beautiful qualities, dreams, ideals, all these things manifest upon earth in a very beautiful way. But when the titans have an upper hand, then the poison comes out. And this poison is, of course, we know it is doubt, cynicism, pessimism, depression, despair. All this is the work of the titans, um, quarrels, hate, ingratitude. So there is this constant battle going on. And this has gone on since several pralayas, not just a few millenniums, but several pralayas, if we take the Indian account, then at least six pralayas. So, creation is slowly pulled out. But the question arises that, will it always remain like this, the seas of the gods and the titans, or is there a final outcome? So, this is here we see that Shurabindra and the mother say that they have come for a final outcome. And the final outcome cannot be decided by just battle and conquest because uh, what happens when there is a battle ultimately what do the gods do they have their own domain and the titans the forces of darkness have their own domain and they are pushed back into their domain they are safe there we have these descriptions in the Vedas 
they live within holes they live within dark caves of the subconscious and the gods have their own domain so when these titans rise up and try to claim earth and heavens that's when the gods strike otherwise they use human instruments gods also use the human instruments for their work upon earth but as long as these beings remain the titans remain there will not be the definitive victory of the divine so there there has to be some plan some you know deeper wisdom that must be worked out and that deeper wisdom is that these titans originally were the revolted angels they also came out of the divine but they revolted against the divine will and therefore they fell into that state where they are today and the divine mother one of her works is to also rescue them and transform them because as if they are not transformed it will always remain a nearing approximation of a very good yuga satyuga type of creation and then again there will be a collapse because this is how it is going to be so when the divine mother started this new leela this leela's purpose is transformation a definitive answer a final solution so quite naturally in this leela not only human beings human beings of course are the main partners in the play because always it is nar narayan on the basis of humanity humanity consciousness in human beings has to leap beyond human so human beings are the basis for the next evolution but then in this leela there were many other players or participants we see them in countless stories of the mother and shurbindo there were of course the plants the animal life and the denizens of the other worlds characteristic among them are the titans and the gods they were also important players in this play why because the titans had to accept conversion and be transformed or dissolved this was the choice given to them and that is one part of the story so this time the game was not just to uh, push them back into their place and make earth a seemingly secure place that is what was meant when mother said that 1926 when the overmind creation had descended shubindo did, didn't accept that because it had to be dissolved that would create a godlike humanity but after a few thousand years again the dip will start maybe before that so that was dissolved and therefore as a result of the pressure of transformation as a result of maybe something within them sensing that their time has come they had taken a very dark and difficult work of embodying the poison that's the titans they have embodied the poison see when people um, uh, you know very often we use the word the person suffers from hate jealousy suspicion fear that person suffers <laughs> we can equally say the person suffers from anger that person is suffering very unfortunate but that person is suffering because he is filled with these dark elements so all these things the divine mother as a part of the leela brought it out not so that they can be once again pushed back that is what has been happening but so that they can be transformed this power of transformation is not with the gods that's what we see in savitri when the divine mother goes through the upward route in search of the soul so she discovers first you know the madonna of suffering mother of grief divine and she says i can build endurance in man give him hope but i cannot change him so then she meets the mother of might durga and kali 
and Lakshmi. And they say we can fill man's heart with some love. We can comfort man. We can, you know, push back the titan. We can open his paths, guard him against the red wolf and the snake. But only a few I can save. The rest lingers on. So she also cannot give the permanent solution. And every time Savitri tells them, the Divine Mother tells them, I'll come back one day. For example, to Durga, she says, I'll come back one day. I'll return with the light because you have strength but not the wisdom. See, each God has his own domain. Then the Madonna of Light, Maheshwari. So, there also, she says, I can fill human mind with knowledge. But what the problem is, human mind will mistake this intuition and the rays of intuition as something of his own. And he will get shut in Saint Tut's brilliant shell. He'll not go further. People who have some kind of knowledge, even a spiritual knowledge, they also reach a platform and they don't progress further. The gods themselves don't progress further because they don't have this urge. So this was a big challenge. One of the challenges, there are many challenges that the Divine Mother had to face. One of them was that as far as human beings are concerned, if they are too satisfied with the gods, then they cannot go further. But fortunately, there is something in man which is greater even than the gods in potential. And if that can completely harbor and embody and join with the transforming power of the divine that can be transmitted through this little something in man and a new game can begin. And that something is the psychic being. Several times the mother emphasizes that there is something in human beings which even the gods, the titans are jealous of it. They want to possess it. You know, that's the problem with titans. They want power, but they want it by possessing. The gods have it naturally as aspects of the divine. But human beings receive it through surrender. So, there is something in human beings which both gods and the titans want. But the titans want it by Snatching it away, but they cannot snatch it away. By nature, it is the portion of the divine. It is the ansh of the divine. Whatever they may do, how much ever darkness can cover it, still it remains in contact with the divine. So nothing can happen to it eventually. At the same time, the gods find it a wonderful vehicle if there is a psychic being. Because they also want to taste something which they don't know. And what they do not know, Mother describes very beautifully, especially in relation with Durga, is the adoration and surrender to the Supreme. This is something they don't understand. They are absolute in power. Whom would they surrender? So we have a wonderful uh, series of Mother's experiences uh, with the gods and goddesses. And not only the gods of the Indian pantheon, she was in contact with the gods of the Greek, Egyptian gods, all of them. She says, all of them I am aware of. Not aware intellectually, but she was in contact with them. And then all the gods of the Indian pantheon. And she described that when she would come down and give meditation, this is before 1926, she is speaking of, then all these gods will come and sit on the ledge and watch for this new Leela which is going on. And she described the Trimurti, Krishna and all of them would come. She says, but they don't have this sense of adoration for the Supreme. They are a good community. They are a community. They know each other. That They have to help in this process. <laughs> and uh, they have their self-appointed work. But they don't understand that their transformation. They don't understand, you know, love, which is such an important power. And that's why you will see all these different gods. Mahalakshmi has love through which she binds the entire creation. 
but love surging up towards the divine and giving itself in that ecstasy that is something which the gods are not aware of so they would come and they would sit and while she would give meditation then from 1944 up till then there was no such function like the mother coming and giving darshan on puja day but there was a, a lady and there were some bengalis who would you know want to celebrate durga puja and there is one of the very beautiful stories where uh, one of the ladies jaya devi she wanted on durga stmi to uh, you know worship mother in shurbindo as shiva and durga and she asked them ki can i do it and the mother graciously agreed so she did it in the traditional bengali way you know the traditional bengali way you do the altha and you do you put flowers and all these things she did and they were sitting and at the end of the puja they went away then next year again she wanted to do now this time the mother told her do you really think god's any god like being will like it and she describes it she says she asked was durga do you like all this people doing all this puja for you she said i don't care <laughs> she said because they are so used to it they don't care really it's not what they want because their function is not just physical more importantly psychological and that psychological function is they love if there is a human being who can embody something of their power so you know we have those wonderful very inspiring lines uh, see we have so many prayers and uh, let's say to goddess durga and kali but one of the one which i have found so powerful is when guru gobind singh says dehe shivahe varmohe satkarat se kabhu na daru it is so powerful that give me the strength and courage that i may always live for truth serve the truth now that is something that that fascinates the gods they find here is a human instrument or when shivaji you know receives the sword from bhavani and without caring for his life without caring for anything he goes along on a conquest which seems impossible and he does manage to establish one of the biggest empires of the maratha kingdom during that time of course aurangzeb didn't die but he was as good as dead because he realized that he is not uh, as powerful as he believed and after that we know that there was a collapse so they like that much more than this kind of worship so the mother next year told her do you think the gods like this kind of worship so uh, well she didn't say so sweetly it was almost like an admonition <laughs> so then after that she stopped but then she knew that there are devotees you see the human beings have for centuries and millenniums being under the influence of gods so they cannot suddenly turn to this idea of supreme <laughs> though the vedic uh, and the upanishadic cult speaks about it the upanishadic rishi spoke about men as the cattle of gods and this there this almost a exact line in savitri that they use human beings of course for good purposes but that's not the ultimate thing for a for uh, for human consciousness is meant for something even greater something even higher so uh, in 1944 because there were these some of these group of people that's the time when students started coming so people came parents came from different places many of them were not into yoga and they felt the need so instead of you know arranging a pandal where all kinds of vital forces may come the mother would come and give darshan in the chair that was the origin actually of the different pujas in the ashram context 1944 it started the way we have seen it 
a chair would come and the mother says that they used to come since the time they were in guest house since then it's they were coming these gods and goddesses on that particular time they would be around in the atmosphere and she said they would not fuse with the body they don't like that but they would come and they would be around in that atmosphere it's like a period of time when they are very active this she narrates later on also that during that time they are drawn to earth and human beings and they are very powerful at that point of time so 1944 it started it continued then in 1961 a uh, new leela had to start because the supermind has manifested now so she from 62 onwards officially the uh, puja days and you know the chair arrangement of mothers coming down that mothers stopped coming but the chair continued for a long time Uh, but the mother stopped coming down but does it did it mean that the gods uh, um, they they you know they they suddenly vanished just as they come no they continued to have uh, their own workings with the mother and the mother with the gods and in that we see one of the gods or rather goddesses with whom she had a number of conversations are documented is with durga of course these conversations were not in french or english but another kind of language which <laughs> earth's ears cannot catch that's how we can say though we love to say sanskrit is the dev bhasha but <laughs> you know they 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 have their own way of communicating and the mother would see durga would come specially around the durga puja time and she would come and often there would be a conversation that what are you going to do this time what kind of victory and there are number of experiences she has described but one day it is in 60s she asked durga that do you like all this worship she says i don't care why don't you surrender to the supreme now you see this is a very interesting aspect of the leela and durga says okay but she is not known she says they don't know they are absolute in their own right they act under the divine impulsion but they have to surrender to the supreme is something you know we don't realize we often uh say that human beings are so limited yes we are limited but there is a joy that no one in this creation can taste as we humans it is the joy of love for the divine the joy of surrender to the divine so durga surrenders to the supreme and she says suddenly you see this surrender is important because the leela which was going to start will necessitate all this darkness coming up to the surface to be transformed and if she doesn't surrender in her presence these beings don't come or if they come she pushes them back you know we have the story of 65 attack on the ashram when kali came and she said i am going to play havoc and the mother had to stop her for 8 hours she had to stop stop her because when she comes then see she is meant to destroy falsehood so she will slay even the gods god like beings even human beings who may be devotees it doesn't matter at all that's what we see in all the stories of kali when kali is active even the gods start praying that mata we cannot bear your tej we cannot bear your power your effulgence and then shiva has to lie down so after mother quieting her for 8 hours then she asked these boys to go and tackle the attack otherwise even those who were devotees disciples they may have been afflicted because she doesn't decide on the basis of this or that wherever there is falsehood she attacks 
So this was a new Leela. So the mother was also playing with the gods that you have to participate, surrender to the Supreme, act only when the Supreme commands you and whatever command he gives, not under a spontaneous impulsion. And then there are a number of accounts of how they worked and I am going to read just two of these accounts toward the end of Turka Puja festival. So one is September 29, 1971, uh, just one day <laughs> before. It is the last day of Durga festivals, Vijaya Dashmi. And the mother asks the disciple, do you want a blessing packet? She gives a few. And then she says, it was clear, mother's conversation. It was clear, very clear today. A sort of pressure to say, victory is harmony. Now you see, this is a new, we always talk about the dark forces, dark forces. Disharmony, disunity, disaffection. So, to win over it and create harmony. Victory is harmony. Victory is the divine and for the, and for the body. This is something very beautiful. Victory is good health. So beautiful. Just, you know, to stay in good health itself is, uh, it means the body is in a state of harmony. And uh, then it, it's uh, in good health that the way of transformation is paved. Any, any discomfort, any disease is a falsehood. What a lesson, you know. That's why she said doctors are supposed to be priests who have to, you know, uh, who are soldiers of truth because disease is a falsehood. So they are supposed to preach in ancient time. Doctors were priests. But, you know, now everything is mixed up. Now priests want money. And doctors also. <laughs> now you see that has distorted everything. Otherwise the medical profession was one of that. Where money was not supposed to be involved along with education. Two things in India. You were not supposed to ask money. So who would take care of your expenses? The patient or the student. They had to give like a Guru Dakshina. Otherwise it was not like you have to pay. The moment money came in. It spoilt everything. The moment ambition came in. So these were the routes through which falsehood entered. So she says, it came this morning. It was very clear. It was convincing. You know? So it's all right. And now she, uh, you know, we can understand why Durga was made to surrender. She says, surrender to the Supreme. Not to, she cannot surrender to anybody or anything. She is a mighty goddess. She says, formidable power. At one place, the mother says, addressing to Durga, You are my light, my power of sovereign realization. Her power put forth to work. So she is a formidable goddess. But now for the new Leela, this was required. It is as if through the pressure, all the falsehood had been brought out. The most unexpected things in people, things, Circumstances. You see in Priti Das Gupta's book, Moments Eternal, the mother says the supermind is active now. And uh, I have started this work in the inconscient. So she asked, like an innocent child, So, mother, what does it mean? We don't understand what is inconscient. She says the worst kind of things will come up. And even the sadhaks will not know. Most unexpected things will emerge from within them. 
they won't understand why this is happening. But you have to stay on, you have to endure, you have to keep offering, you have to have the faith, because all this has to be purged out. You know, Sagar Manthan's story, it's a real story taking place in human beings. The most unexpected things, in people, things, circumstances. It's really, no imagination can equal. It's it's incredible what is going to happen. So the disciple says, But it's a good sign, isn't it? (laughs) Mother says, Oh yes, oh yes. Only the appearances in, she speaks about the place, are very, and then she just nods her head. (laughs) It's as if there were a poison, you know. And by putting pressure, the poison comes out to be got rid of. And how it's coming out. See, this poison is ingratitude, lack of faith. She speaks about it in a pair of 1937. All the horrors of falsehood, telling lie became a way of life. And you see, um, this is part of the work and what all she would have absorbed. So when we read these Puranic stories, that poison came out, we think they are myths and legends. They are the real realities, more real than our earthly drab realities of everyday life. And it is the Divine Mother who absorbs all this for us. After all, she is the power that takes the poison and annihilates it. So wherever there is power, there is but one power. That's why Sri says, much more than the Purusha, it is the sacrifice of the Divine Mother. So she says it's coming out. Later we'll be able to talk about it. But it's really interesting. Really, yes, it's a good sign, a very good sign. Once someone asked mother how long it will last, she says very, very long. It is poison of millenniums. <laughs> she said very, very long. <laughs> it all has to be digged out and you know, put in its place, transformed, converted, dissolved, all these things. Yes, it means that all those forces that have remained hidden underneath for thousands of years. And when we understand this way, then we understand the happenings outside. All the hatred, all the pain, the anguish, all the past that was buried. Now we see literally past is coming up and it is getting changed. Why it is so? It is a symbol of something going on in human consciousness. All the past that were put under wraps, nothing can remain hidden. And then she says, They have lost their hiding place. Yes, that's it. That's it. Incredible. But a power, a power. Then she remains quiet. And then her last uh, conversation on Puja Day is in 1972, on October 18th, 1972. Interesting because it happens to be also Dada's birthday. And October 18th, 1972. This is the season of pujas, the time of rituals to the universal mother. So the mother asks the disciple, do you want some silence? Yes, mother, if you like. I am tempted to ask you, Durga won a victory this year. And the mother says, we shouldn't talk about it. I think it was a real victory. Now you see, we only every time the same demon is being 
fellow is running away the demon of obscurity tamas and greed which is what mysasur is lust and greed and obscurity and tamas but there are many other victories which are to be won and which are being won so she says it was a real victory and then the disciple asks which victory mother mother says which victory but there is only one my child which is the victory we can call it what we like the victory of truth over falsehood the victory of the lord over his creation he becomes the sovereign lord which means so the disciple asks which means the creation will now go consciously towards the divine mother says oh well that victory is still only for a few the creation consciously going towards its divine origin and ready to manifest that origin is still only for a few and then she says i think it will take centuries until it becomes general so we expect 56 from 57 onwards everybody wakes up supramentalized today only somebody had asked this question ki you know mother spoke about the supramental consciousness then she said it is not yet established so established is literally when it takes the sovereign charge completely when it is the lord when it is literally establishment of the kingdom of truth but yes it has become active it is certain but there is a process to it and that process is going to take centuries because if it hurries through it will crush humanity that is the problem we all harbor within us so many types of falsehoods at one place the mother speaks about this falsehood she says the last asura to resist was this asura falsehood calls himself lord of nations and uh, uh, you know the disciple says why didn't you just finish him says almost whole of humanity will be finished because we have become he runs in the veins of human beings so it's not like just finishing him off out there all that supports and is supported by this being falsehood will get annihilated and then she was asked fortunately mother what are the types of falsehood she says there is one which is the commonest one habitually people tell lies she says that is there but this is not the serious form of falsehood it's not good this should not be then there is another one there is a more conscious deliberate things which are hidden put under cover we we don't even have that mental honesty to see what is moving us we give very nice beautiful explanation where always somebody else is guilty and we love to condemn and we are the good guys this is another kind of falsehood which is more serious and then the worst is the falsehood which opposes truth which deliberately stands against the divine is hostile to the divine and his workings she says this last one is very serious and if one takes that course then it is described in savitri these beings are marked missing in the register of the god suddenly there is a precipitous sliding into the abyss then she says fortunately there are very few people who are of this degree but there is there is a kind of you know where people deliberately want to attack all that is divine we may wonder you know but sometime back we know within india one would have never imagined there was a deliberate attack 
on forms and aspects of the divine. Even there was a university where there was a Mahisasur Puja. It's just unimaginable. That instead of, and, and they were calling names, all kinds of things. So there is a conscious attack against the divine. Now what happens when you attack the divine? It is like a little pig trying to attack the mountain. Of course it will get crushed. <laughs> but that falsehood is very dangerous for the individual and those who harbor such things within them. So she says it will take centuries, maybe millenniums for the entire humanity to creation turn consciously toward the divine. Unconsciously it is moving. But what matters is for us to be the few who are conscious, who consciously manifest the divine. That is our victory. For a few of us, which we can and must win and embody. And then she reminds us, lest we forget the story of Cain Upanishad, because she has used the word win. I am the winner, I am the victor. <laughs> so she reminds us to remain humble. By win, I mean overcome the material resistance in the body. That we can and it is our duty to overcome. I mean all the stupid unconscious resistance that must come to an end. This is our work and it must be done here in the body. So we have part, role to play in this victory. All that within us resists the divine, contradicts the divine. We must dig out from all its hiding places like the ancient Rishi Agast breaking open the caves and all these uh, darknesses, these asuric beings emerge. Uh, there is a line in Savitri, we must search our beings with spiritual fire. That's why Mother stresses on this quality called sincerity. It's not about declaring to the world like the, you know, uh, those uh, pseudo, <laughs> I don't want to use the religion, but I am the sinner. It's not about that. <laughs> we don't have to talk to the world, I am the sinner, I am the sinner, and feel bloated that, see, I have declared myself the sinner. That's another kind of perverse ego. But to know inside what is in us that contradicts the divine, which resists the divine. It may be doubts in the mind. It may be, you know, the various kinds of attachments. It may be certain habits, tendencies. All that we have to offer it to the divine and let the divine win the victory for us. So she says, I mean all the stupid unconscious resistance must come to an end. This is our work and it must be done here. So, the disciple asks, the last question he asks, you say it will take centuries or even millenniums, but for instance, would it not go faster by contagion? Each person who wins his victory it will get transmitted to others. Indeed, Mother has said that. If we win our little victories, it gets transmitted, makes it easier for others. So we are that, uh, you know, the mouse who first solves the puzzle. And once you solve the puzzle, it becomes easy for others. That is a specific role given to those who have been picked up by the divine for this great work. It will become easy for others. Each victory we win. So the disciples ask, would it not spread by contagion? And the mother says something which we should remember with this we will stop. Let's first do what we should do. 
Let's concentrate on that. Let's do what we should do. Namaste.